big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Sorry, I, I didn't see you. Looking straight at me. Must get injured. Well, you should be more careful, you jizz cock. What? You could have had my legs off, you piss kidney. Arsehole. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the L Dude Brothers podcast, episode 27, Handyman. Oh, sorry. Are you, are you going first with the I'm Thatcher or am I going first? Oh, I had you going first, but oh, whatever sorry. you want to do is fine. I didn't print that first bit out. Uh, hi, I'm Laura and I'm Thatcher. And hi, I'm Sean and I'm Heseltine and I need outing. <laughs> it's Heseltine and it's me that needs ousting, not you. Oh, shit. Okay, I totally <laughs> fucked that up. Shows how... It's what we get for recording it. These ungodly hour, er, God, Jesus Christ, ungodly early hours for me. Uh, yeah. So I once again want to apologize for the fucked up release schedule. We will have Jim out by October 29th. Although I don't know why I'm t- giving you dates when you'll be hearing this after November, but whatever. Um, yeah, so I apol- apologies. We will get everything back on track with this episode. No problem. I know work is hardcore for you at the moment. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing good. Work's been really fun. Um, it's weird kind of being in the like respected elder position where these people are looking at me like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, that's good, though. I'm glad you're having a nice time. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned to one of them that I do a podcast, and they're like, Oh, really? What's it about? And I'm like, ah, you don't need to listen to it. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be hard to explain. I can't imagine there's many Americans that know much about Peep Show, so... Yeah, that's I was was like, okay, look, it's about this British comedy show. We're doing an episode-by-episode review of it, and yeah, if you haven't watched the show, don't don't listen to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, dear. So how do you, uh, going in, how did you think you felt about this before you watched it? Oh man, I remembered really thinking this was a funny episode, although I'm conflicted because I do feel bad for Jeremy at points in this episode, but then other times I'm just like, yeah, you get what you deserve, you fucking asshole. You read what you sow, he definitely sowed this. Yeah, definitely sows this. Um, Yeah, Uh, I also remember really liking this episode. Um, I would say it's one of my favourite episodes in this series, probably second only to Wedding, which is episode six. Um, And I really remember liking the dynamic between Mark and his school friends as well. Yeah, it's just weird, though, because we'll we'll, we'll get into it as we we discuss, but I feel like that Sally is such an important person in Mark's life. I'm not quite sure why we've never heard about her before. That's true. I never hear about her again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she just must be like Carol Banana Face. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to guess where this ranks in my um, ranking now, or do you want to wait to the end? We'll do it at the end after okay. I've heard you. After I've heard how you Respond feel about this episode. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Although I do right, just. Based off of what you're you're saying, I already am kind of starting to hone kind in on where I think this yeah. falls. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, so one one just quick thing. I know that you and I both watched Stranger Things season two, episode one. What did you think of it? 
I really liked it. Yeah, I was really intrigued and would have watched more, but it was like midnight and we knew that the girls would be up at five o'clock in the morning. So we didn't continue. Um, I'm really excited for it. And after watching the first episode, I feel the same. But I did hear them talking about it on Front Row um, on Thursday night on Radio 4 and they weren't very nice about it, really. So that's made me a bit nervous about carrying on. What about you? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the first episode. What I was going to ask is that does the like sort of 80s nostalgia Americana, you know, theme that that show goes with, does that like really translate well over there? I mean, do you get a lot of the like 80s references like Reagan and so. Mondale? Yeah, I think, okay. I think it means, I mean, there was enough for me growing up that I was exposed to enough sort of American culture like that. But I don't think you'd have to be much younger than me before it didn't mean much. I don't think it means a lot to my husband. He's only a couple of years younger. And we were talking about it with his sister and her husband who are about five years younger again. And they weren't, they hadn't seen E.T., for example. So I felt like that dynamic, that I think there's quite a lot of E.T. in it. Uh, to me, felt like that was a big influence and they hadn't ever seen it, didn't understand it. So, yeah, I don't think you'd have to be much younger or more English than I am to be a bit lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I was really... If if my wife would have been down for it, I think we would have watched the whole series last night. <laughs> yeah, we were definitely, if we'd had a different setup with that evening, I think we would have watched it all. Yeah. All right, well, enough Stranger Things, and let's get back to what everybody, let's talk about what everybody pays us nothing to talk about. <laughs> pays us in love. Yeah, pays us in love and affection. <laughs> cool. right, so... Episode kicks off, and we've got Mark and Sophie, and we see more, more of Mark and Sophie's relationship dynamics. Their evening has consisted of low-quality takeaway food, low-quality detective dramas, and low-quality sexual intercourse. Yeah, um, I noted that they were sitting in their daywear, like, fully daywear. Did, was that, is it just me and my husband that, as soon as we're in the house, like, are in some kind of loungewear... It, or is this, I felt this was unusual that they were sitting there like Sophie had her earrings in kind of thing. No, because my wife looks at me like I'm a crazy person if I leave my jeans on more than 10 minutes after I get home from yeah, work. Yeah, that's exactly like us. We would never sit like Mark and Sophia sat in a shirt and a jumper and earrings watching telly. Yeah, I mean, you know, different strokes for different folks. Mark never really seems like he ever leaves that kind of work mode. No, but that's I true. Thought, I guess maybe they're just more formal people. Yeah, but I actually thought that Sophie looked kind of nice. I mean, I guess if you were going out on a date, well, I mean, I guess they're not necessarily going out on a date, but no, I don't maybe know. they're still at that point where they're not comfortable enough with each other to to go for the lounge pants. Yeah, that's probably exactly what it is. <laughs> Do you hear this um, cat behind me? Yes, again. <laughs> All right, we're just going to have a guest on this episode of the show. <laughs> um, Mark asked Sophie to accompany him to his school reunion on the Saturday, and Sophie says that that doesn't sound very him. Doesn't sound like the sort of thing he'd like to do. No, and I thought that exact same thing. I was like, wow, that's really weird that Mark would want to go to a high school reunion. Yeah, um, but he says that it's to prove that he's not, in fact, a gender bender, mentaloid, or a public leaning post. So I think that that sort of clears up why Mark wants to go to it, is just to prove that he's not, he's obviously been bullied and he wants to prove that he's grown up to be a fine 
upstanding person with the job. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's kind of using Sophie in the scene to like be like, oh, look, I'm a normal person. I'm going to use my fiance. Yeah, definitely. That's, he's, he sees that he's seen an opportunity to use Sophie for his own gain here. Yeah. Um, at this point, we find out that Sophie is going to Frankfurt for the weekend with Sophie, Alan, Lisa, and Jeff for a yeah. marketing development group meeting. Yeah, and Mark is not happy about this. Do you think this is legitimate? Like, do you think this is real jealousy? Or do you think that he's just pissed off because he can't use her for his own gains at the reunion? No, I mean, I think that this is legitimate jealousy. I mean, he is upset that she's going with Jeff. Jeff, who she has dated in the past. Jeff, who she's, you know, who's his worst enemy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this is legitimate jealousy. One thing that I really liked is when Sophie is, like, listing off the names of the people. She goes, oh, you know, me, Alan, Lisa, and Jeff. And she <laughs> says Jeff in this, like, really... She, like, mumbles, doesn't really enunciate. She kind of turns her head away. It's very Yeah, funny. she definitely knows the reaction that she's going to get. Um, and she gets it from Mark. But then Sophie says that he needs to calm down because it's just a work thing. And she's getting married to him. And they're not going to fall into each other's arms. So he needs to calm down. Basically, he's being petulant. And, uh, yeah. And then in our voiceover from Mark, it's the first mention of Sally Slater, who is a big part of this episode. And is a mythical girl from school that Mark still thinks about. Yeah. And we will see much, much more of her later. Yeah. Um, next scene, we have super hands. We're, oh, uh, sorry. Next scene, we're at a pub. And we've got Jeremy, super hands, a woman named Laura, a gentleman named Carrie. Or, excuse me, a woman named Carrie, a gentleman named Mike, and an old guy that we've never met before. Yeah. And Jez is bored. He's sort of been, it's a big tap round table. And he seems to have been left out of all the little conversations that are going on. And he's been left with this new guy who, in his voiceover, he refers to as the newbie, Mr. Fucking Shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he might, I think by the end of this episode, he'll probably just end up ruining the day that he ever decided to strike up conversations with Russell. Yeah. Um, but the actor that looks very familiar to me. Um, and I couldn't really work out why. But then when I did his IMDb, he's been in everything on British television for years so he's got an iron bd as long as your arm you couldn't really say what you'd seen him in but he's just one of those spaces yeah um you made a mention of it here but yeah he was in uh game of thrones which it really cracked me up because when i watched that episode of game of thrones i did not even recognize it was him <laughs> that's because he's such a skilled character actor that's why he's been in eastenders and the bill and game of thrones and every other thing that's been he worked i mean he's the most hard-working actor in television i think he's in about 10 things a year really yeah, his IMBD is really long, and he's been working for years. Huh. That's crazy. I, mm. I guess I never really thought to... Uh... No, I only I only yeah. looked because his face is so familiar. Um, he says that he is a friend of Bob's mate, Kev. And I've made a note that... Do you think that's European Bob that he's mentioning there? Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I bet you are 100% right. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out that when they get talking that he's actually one of Jez's musical heroes. He is the Orgazoid. Yep. Yep. We, exactly. Yeah. We find out that this gentleman, this seemingly normal looking guy is one of Jeremy's biggest um, musical influences, Russell, AKA the Orgazoid. Yeah. Uh, Jez loves his track, Borneo Function. 
Yep, and Jeremy is going to go ahead and sing his rendition of Borneo Function <laughs> that yeah. we can do no justice for, so I will just go ahead and play the whole thing. Okay. You're the Orgazoid? Oh my god! You're the... I thought you were just a man in a shirt sitting on a chair! Your first two CDs, I know every track! Borneo Function. Right, nice. Hans, this is... this. It's not just a man. This is the Orgazoid. Yeah, I know. Well, why didn't you say... Can I get you a drink? Oh, I'm full of Diet Coke here, man. You know, I haven't had a proper drink for six years. None of the party powder, either. Oh, right. I mean, you've been as high as it's possible to go. Well, yeah. Yeah, I suppose I have. And you've been as low as it's possible to get. Yeah. Yeah, I have. And what's it like when you're up that high? Ah, it's incredible. And what's it like when you're down that low? Ah, it's terrible. It's horrible. And, uh, what's it like when you're in the middle? It's, uh, you know, it's fine. Wow. So, uh, listen, a uh, weird question. Um, I'm not sure if you're looking for work or what, but, um, I'm looking for a kind of, like, handyman. You know, my place is going to shit since I split up with my ex. Well, that sounds amazing. Orgazoid's handyman. This is a dream come true. Handyman to chauffeur to keyboard player. It's a very well-established career path. <laughs> uh, I really this enjoy is... the... I really enjoy the low as you can get, high as you can get conversation. Yeah, it's just so well done. And the look on the actor's face playing the Orgazoid when he's, like, trying to convey... Oh, yeah, it's really sad. Oh, yeah, it's really, really good. It's, it's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Oh, so you've been as high as you can go? Yeah. <laughs> What's that like? It's fucking great. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the Orgazoid has asked us to come and work for him as his handyman. Yep. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, but is exactly the sort of way someone like just gets a job. Yeah. And... I don't even know that necessarily handyman is probably the best way to describe Jez's job. I mean, uh, before we know the horrific downside to this job, but I would say more like like manservant. Yeah, like a PA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like a personal assistant kind of thing rather than a hand handyman to me invokes like nailing stuff and drilling things and he's not doing that, is he? No, no, he's not. Well, he, he is <laughs> well, kind of drilling yeah. something. But <laughs> um, In the next scene, we see uh, the, that we're in the flat and Mark is being cynical about Jizzy's job, um, quite rightly, this new job. And Mark says that no one earns 500 quid a week to do nothing. Yeah, and Jeremy points out that he makes smoothies. That's not, that's not nothing. It's really hard to clean one of those mothers out. <laughs> Yeah, but Mark's convinced that to earn this kind of money for doing so little, he's going to have to do something horrible, like be a drugs mule, or sell his organs, or have a German from the internet come around and eat him. Um, did that Did that make sense to you? Did that make the news over there? Um, I actually made my own note about this. Um, I don't... That didn't actually make news over here. The only reason that I am even vaguely familiar with it is there's... I, I, I'm sure you've probably heard of Rammstein before, right? I have. Okay, they did a song called Mind Tile, which is a song that's about that horrific, horrific uh, arrangement. And then just to make sure that I was correct on that, I read the whole description of the situation and, oh my god, it's fucking horrible. Yeah, it's really horrible. It was a big, I can't remember if there was someone British involved in it, or but it was, it was a big news item over here. 
Oh, it's just so oh, disturbing, Jesus. Yeah, it's grim. Um, but Mark thinks this is the sort of thing that Jess is going to have to do to continue to earn this money. And yeah. he starts calling it an arrangement. And Jess says, you know, not everything has to be a horrible arrangement, Mark. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I wanted to point out is that Jeremy is making $500 a week, uh, excuse me, 500 pounds a week in advance in cash. And I just have to say, if you get paid in cash, you're probably doing something like illegal or immoral. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, the best it's off the books if you're being paid in cash, is my experience. At worst, it is immoral or illegal. Yeah. And in this case, it is a little column A and a little column B. Yeah, yeah. Mark then announces that he's going out, and Jeremy's confused by this. This clearly doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I know. Um, and, you know, Jeremy is, like, grilling Mark as to why he's going out, and Mark gives us the very classic peep show line, well, you know, as you were always saying, the Beastie Boys fought, and possibly died for my right to party, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, he then explains that it's going to a school reunion in a nightclub, and Jeremy says that they all hated you at Polefield. So this must be the school that Mark was thrown into after his dad's British aerospace uh, shares went kaput, and he left oh, public school. Good, good memory, good memory. Yeah. Um, I really... Um, oh, I was just going to say, I really enjoy this part where Mark is like... Uh, or where Jeremy, you know, tells him... Oh, I thought everybody at Polefield hated you. And Mark says it was the majority, but there was a few people that liked him. The chess players, the musicians, the poor and the posh voiced. We formed a substrata, a secret society below the radar of the norms. And then Jeremy just looks at him and he's like, the norms? And Mark is like, the normalos, the Norman forces are oppressors. <laughs> this is another one of those peep showisms that's totally made into my lexicon. So I quite often talk about the norms and the normalos. And, um, me and my husband do it a lot, but real people don't don't get it. And sometimes I forget and say, oh, the normalos, and it's like, what what the fuck are you talking about? So, yeah, this is definitely one of those peep showisms that I've made made part of my life. Yeah, you know, and then it's just a few episodes. Well, I guess it's probably not a few episodes, but it's we are not that far from the Dobby Club episode where um, Mark pretty much, like, just eviscerates Gerard for being not normal. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But I always felt though that Gerard had to exist for Mark to be cool. Like it needed someone like Gerard to make Mark cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about Gerard more when we we get to Gerard. Yeah, when uh, we meet him properly. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I guess technically we have, but you know, when we yeah when he gets get to, to be one of the him. reoccurring characters. Jez decides to come and uh, come with him, and he says he's going to ask Nancy because it'll be a good excuse to get her out. And Mark says that, but haven't you got work in the morning? This is when Jez says, "Look, you know, he's not going to care if I'm a bit late in the morning. This is this is how work is for most people now." And Mark is still quite cynical about it. Yeah, uh, I like how Jeremy's description of their day is: they sit around on the PlayStation and eat Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody makes. What is it? Nobody makes. Iron, pig iron out of, or it's steam, uh, no steam engines steam out of pig engines irons pig anymore. Iron, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, and Mark just looks like, okay, yeah, you've got a sticky end coming your way. Yeah. Um, next scene, they show up at the nightclub, and I really enjoy Mark's introduction to, of all the people he went to school with. So I will go ahead and just play that for you guys now. Yeah. Here they all are. 
my tormentors. Hope Nancy gets here soon. This is going to be perfect. She won't know anyone except me. That's Faisal Butt. He used to call me a flod. I think it was a mixture between a flid and a spod. That's Foz. He used to sit behind me in French and put bacon on my shoulders. That's Terry Carpenter. One of the more sophisticated bullies. Pretended I was Thatcher and he was Heseltine and I needed ousting. I need a drink. Uh, have you ever called anybody a flawed, a flid, or a spod? Uh, flid is a kind of insult that maybe children might have used back in the day. I've heard of that, but flawed and spod, no. <laughs> a flid, I think, was to do with, so you know, like the, you know, the lidomide children with their, that were injured through their mum's taking thalidomides in pregnancy. You know oh. about that? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, okay. if you call someone a flid, it's like an insult saying that they're deformed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. Wow, that's yeah, fucking it's dark, dark. But I don't know what spod and flod are. But if they're anything like flid, they're probably equally dark. <laughs> I just like um, that I... the guy's name is Faisal, but... <laughs> yeah, that's a great name. He's called Faisal. And I just really like how specific the weird bully it is. So putting the bacon on his shoulders is just really strange. Um, yeah. And I really <laughs> Oh my like God, I idea. didn't even think about it. How the fuck did Foz just get like a pound of bacon into school with him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, and I really like the idea of the bully who pretends that Mark's Thatcher and he's Hesseltine and that he needs ousting because that's it. Definitely these decoding for anyone born after about nineteen ninety. But I just I just love the idea that they were politically uh, switched on enough to to be able to do that, but still horrible little bullies. Can you explain that reference for us so, Americans? Um, so Margaret Thatcher was the Prime Minister and she was famously ousted from the job uh, in 1990 and Michael Heseltine was the Deputy Prime Minister. And basically, so in this country, uh, and it's probably the same with your president, if um, if the enough MPs in the political party have got no faith in their leader <laughs> anymore, they can... <laughs> Maybe it's not the same in your country, actually, thinking about it. Um, yeah, if enough MPs have got no faith in their leader, they can put in a vote of no confidence. And this is what happened to Thatcher. But it was done really sneakily. And she was really, I mean, I'm no fan of Margaret Thatcher, but she was treated quite badly. And it was very underhanded. And she was ousted uh, from the job uh, very suddenly. And this is what happened. And Heseltine was uh, judged to be kind of one of the front runners in this, although he never got the top job and never was prime minister. Oh, interesting. He's a lord now. He's a very, he's a, um, I'm, you know, he's, he's raving right-wing Tory, which is completely at odds with how I feel about politics, but he's a very interesting man who's often got a lot of sensible things to say. Um, but no, he never, he never made it to be Prime Minister. Interesting. Oh. Yeah, I wish, uh, I wish our political system could do that, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've probably made it sound easier than it is, but it's, it's it's it is probably less hard than it is to get rid of the president. We finally get to meet the very radiant Sally Slater. Um, yeah, um, but I've noted that as these obsessions from youth often are, she's quite average. I mean, she's a she's attractive, but she's a sort of average attractive. She's not a goddess that you know, as as we think, as Mark's been thinking about for twenty years, we um would maybe be led to believe she's some sort of, you know, big Zeus figure, but she's not. She's just sort of an average woman. But yeah, like you said, you, it's funny how these women that you were obsessed with, or I, I guess not even women, but crushes that you were obsessed with in your youth, you see a picture of them 
later in their 30s or whatever, and you're like, oh, okay. I remember them looking distinctly different. That was how my high school crush was when I saw her at my yeah, junior my reunion. Yeah, my God, the, the, the guy that I was obsessed with throughout my youth is is now totally bald, like, upsettingly bald. <laughs> and it breaks my heart if ever I see him. That he's, uh, and there's always boys that we knew as sick formers and stuff. Like, a friend actually yesterday sent me a text with a like a screen grab of someone's Instagram and it was like, remember when he was beautiful? Well, now he's five stone overweight and has no hair. It's just sad as you get into your 30s and you see these 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 people that were once objects of lust start to age. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then... Um, so as Mark is at a bar and uh, he's getting a drink, Sally walks over to him and she's just like, Mark? Mark Corrigan? And Mark just kind of plays us off like, oh, yeah, uh... Uh, what's your... Oh, Sally. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hi, Sally. How are you? Yeah, he's he plays it cool and pretends like he doesn't remember her. And I think she falls for it as well. Oh, and then he just... Uh, Sorry, excuse me. That is actually not how it goes. I'm looking at my notes now. I'm misremembering here. Uh, He says... She says, Mark, Mark Corrigan. And he's like, oh, yeah, Sally. And then he just quickly mentions that he makes above the national average and that he has his <laughs> own... um. Uh, he has his own flat. <laughs> yeah, I've got a flat on my own from the job that I work at as, as an executive. He says something like that. Yep. Um, Sally seems really happy to see Mark and offers to buy him a drink. Mark thinks that maybe the paradigm has shifted and that most of his rivals have perished in Blair's oil oil wars, which I thought was really <laughs> fucking dark. Yeah. Um, and then we see that Nancy is dancing on the other side of the room with some men. She's surrounded by men. And Jez is unhappy about this. And I'm pretty sure one of those men is our very own Faisal Butts. Yes, I believe it is. Um, and Jez thinks that she made some friends pretty fucking quick. Yeah, Jeremy looks not really happy that Nancy is getting down with some random guys at a nightclub. No, I really enjoyed as well in this. Do you have like school disco nights in America? Or is this something you're familiar with? No, but it looked really fun. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that that they sort of, embraced the school uniform thing but mark was just basically wearing his work wear he hadn't tried to make it look in any way school uniformy and that nancy's school uniform attire was really slutty and it <laughs> i just really enjoyed how they were all wear differently wearing the school uniform yeah i thought that was pretty funny too um was this any sort of, like was this any sort of class reunion or was... so i think it was um from the he's got at some point he has an invitation i think or there's some banner in the background that says it's 1991 was when they left school which works because that would put him at about the age we think he is that he was born in about 1975 something like that if he was 16 then but it doesn't work out because it would have been something like their 16th year reunion or 17th year reunion it's a bit weird we, we don't know we're never told what what year it is, but the maths doesn't work. Oh, actually, it would probably have been their 15-year reunion, because this Yeah, episode, 15-year might work. Yeah, this episode would have been filmed in 2006. Yeah. We've, I've never had a school reunion. That's, oh, so really? This, um, yeah, maybe for 20... No. Uh, it's after you leave, isn't it? Yeah, so maybe 20 years after we've left, we might have one, but I can't imagine... Oh, can't imagine God. We had, a, we had a 10-year reunion in uh, 2009, and... Is really funny because my sister was really popular in in high school and I really wasn't. 
So high school is not uh, this high school is not this bastion of like happy memories and enjoyable times that like my sister had. Right, yeah, yeah. So when it came time to go to our two thousand or our ten year reunion, I had bought tickets, but I really wasn't like convinced on going and it really kinda took my sister like prodding me to go for me to actually go. And I did have a really good time and it was weird because there were people that like torment me and then we would see each other and it was like, Oh, Hey, Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, nice to see you. Oh man. Oh, you look great. What have you been up to? And, and one part of you was like, man, I don't want to be petty and, you know, live in the past, but you were a fucking asshole to me for three straight years, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would go for petty, I think, because I, I didn't, I didn't have any sort of, issues at secondary school but in primary school it was a very small kind of cliquey primary school mm-hmm. where I just didn't fit in there very well and I saw some boys or oh, much later when I was probably about 22 23 and they um had grown up to be banker wankers in the city and they were drinking in a bar up, uptown in um, the sort of financial district and one of them was at the bar and recognized me and started talking and asked if he could buy me a drink and I said you didn't want to talk to me when I was 12 and I don't want to talk to you now and walked off and it felt really good. So sometimes I think being petty is the way forward. Yeah. I'm going to have to just embrace that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Our 20 year reunion, if we end up having one is going to be in two years. So we'll see how that, we'll see how that goes. I can't see anyone organizing one for us. It was an all girls school for a start. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. What was really weird was, Apparently, we had a like a class quilt that we did, where we oh, all signed our really names. American. What's that? That's so American. <laughs> we we all signed our names basically on pieces of fabric, and then they got stitched together and made this giant quilt. Okay, so I found my square, so I signed this thing. I do not have any fucking memory <laughs> at all of doing this. How odd. We've got, yeah, the only thing we had was like we had a yearbook that's been signed, but. Oh, we have yearbooks too. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, but we know we didn't have a quilt or anything like that. Yeah, I've never heard of a class quilt after that night either, so. No, no. Yeah. How quaint. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, (laughs) (laughs) so we go later at the school disco night. And Mark just really, really can't stop mentioning his achievements. Sally mentions that she's going to night school and working as a maid, and she listens to the textbook on her iPod, which I thought was just such a dated reference. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. And, and at the time, it would have been like the cutting edge of, uh, of of technology. But yeah, she listens to the texts on her iPod where she's studying for her English degree. Yep. And uh, she... <laughs> It's funny because she she said hoovering, and I knew exactly what she meant when she said that, but it just cracked me up that she didn't say vacuuming and said hoovering instead. Yeah, we we would say hoovering here. I would say hoovering. Um, and then of course Mark, not missing a beat again, mentions that he has his own flat and thus he can hoover whenever he wants. <laughs> Sally just kind of is like, Mark Corgan, are you boasting? And Mark says he wasn't boasting at all. He has a really really touching story about when they were on a history field trip together and she borrowed his copy of hitchhiker's guide and they read it to each other in funny voices 
Yeah, and, and he says it's one of his happiest memories of all time. Yeah. Which is sweet. Also, we should mention, because I don't think we did in scene one, that Mark is perfectly okay with cheating on Sophie right now because he just assumes that she's sleeping with Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Um, then Mark finds out, to his surprise, that Sally is married to Foz, one of his tormentors, which he doesn't know, but obviously now in the age of Facebook, he would know all about. Yeah, definitely. And Foz, his name, his look... The actor, he just looks like such a dick. Yeah, he's an absolute prick of the highest order. You can tell what kind of 15-year-old Foz was just from the way he's behaving. Oh my god, Foz is a goddamn monster. Yeah. Um, he calls Mark Wankathon and is just unpleasant to him for the whole of the whole of the, the dialogue that continues yeah. and Mark ends up getting into some, he sort of ties himself in linguistic knots and ends up <coughs> somehow having to say he's not a paedophile. Yeah, I like this. He just asks Foz and um, Sally kind of casually if he has kids or if they have any kids. Foz asks why and Mark just replies, oh, no reason. I mean, I love kids. Not in a bad way. In a nice way. I mean, I'm not on the child protection register yet. Which proves I'm not a pedo, and then he just thinks to himself, this is going horribly, need a joke. And of course, because this is Peep Show, and there's so much pedo humor in this show, he just says, um, either that or I'm an incredibly hard to detect pedo. And then yeah. he's just like, just move on from the pedo area entirely. <laughs> yeah. Um, that Froz looks horrified by this. Um, and then Jez comes over and he explains to Jez that they call him Wankathon because... They someone taught him the wrong way to, to masturbate and he spent hours wanking or something. Something that sounds completely unbelievable, but clearly yeah. this is built up in mythology of the school that Mark, this happened to Mark. I don't know. I mean, I just can't imagine what Mark could be doing that he could be doing it for two hours and not have anything happen. No, exactly. Um, Jez is really uncomfortable with all of this, but in his voiceover, he thinks that this is just like school. You have to side with the powerful to survive. So he starts laughing at Foz and kind of takes Foz's side. It's Jez is such a goddamn monster in this episode. And the more I think about it, the more he deserves everything he fucking gets. <laughs> yeah. Um, just then, just as the teasing is reaching peak and Mark looks terrible, like, just like he regrets every second that he ever came to this school reunion. Right, said Fred, come on. And Foz says he hates this song, but it's, it's like, it's fucking awful, but it's brilliant. I've got to go and dance to it. And he leads Sally off to the dance floor. But just as they're going, Sally mimes to Mark that she, he should call her. Yeah. Yeah. And Mark is really, really excited. And he, he feels that all of his bragging about the making more money than the national average must have worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, next scene, holy smokes, we go see the inside of the Orgazoid's house. That pool was incredible. Yeah, the pool's beautiful. It's like an infinity pool, isn't it? In a room, like in a conservatory on the back, and it's just lovely. Yeah, oh my gosh. And uh, Orgazoid is sitting on like some wicker furniture with a laptop writing something. I tried to pause to see if I could actually um, read anything that was written on there, but I wasn't able to read anything that was written on there. Yeah, but, he, um, but he's like living the, the dream on his MacBook by his pool, just being really, really cool. Yeah. Um, he tells Jeremy that he was thinking about him, and he gives him a uh, a CD that has... Different remixes of Borneo Function, and Jeremy's really excited about that. And then yeah. 
And then Orgazoid tells Jeremy he should take a swim, and Jeremy just thinks to himself, you know, nothing dodgy about swimming, you know, in your trunks. You can't swim in a three-piece suit. Screw you, cynics. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also thinks about the alternative versions of Borneo Function, that this is finally something that he can have over on hands. He's very excited to show it to hands because Super Hands nicked a car battery off the Prodigy, and he now has something to rival it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next scene, we are back at, um, at Apollo house and Mark is on the phone with Sally Slater and he says something along the lines of basically like in good light, uh, good luck with midnight children. And then he thinks to himself, you know, friendly, but flirty didn't overstep the mark could show Sophie the transcript. Maybe I should start taping my phone calls. No, Mark, that's how they got Nixon. <laughs> yeah. It's a very funny line. Um, he also isn't wrong about Midnight's Children. He says that no one's ever finished it. And I completely agree with that. I studied it for my degree. I've done two deg- two exams on it and I never got to the end of it. <laughs> that sounds horrible. It is horrible. It's by Salman Rushdie and it is about... It's very long for a start. Oh, is that um, the book that he wrote that they did the fatwa against? That's him? right, yeah. It's about India's um, India's transition from... Uh, like the British colony, like the colonialism to independence during the, I want to say the 40, it was very controversial. Um, I don't know if it won the Booker Prize. Uh, Maybe it did, or maybe it was just shortlisted, but it was really controversial. It's really long. Don't waste your time, is my uh, advice about Midnight's Children. Oh, Satanic Verses was the one that I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. He's always writing controversial stuff, so. <laughs> um, Jeremy has a, a jumper. What's the, what is a fucking jumper? Like a sweater. Oh, okay. Um, Orgazoids bought Jeremy a jumper and a squash racket. Mark thinks that it's really weird that a squash racket is remuneration for work. But Jeremy's just like, look, you have to have two rackets to play squash with. Yeah, he's he just is like, look. There's nothing dodgy going on here. Jeremy is so keen to stress there's nothing dodgy going on to Mark. There was nothing dodgy when he went for a swim, and there's nothing dodgy now. He just wants someone to play squash with. Do you think the hand jobs have started at this point? Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is certainly the beginning of the hand jobs, I would say. Now, how do you think... Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine like how this conversation started. Like, hey, thanks for the smoothie. You mind giving me a hand? And Jeremy's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, a hand. Yeah, I think that's probably exactly how it started. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark has organized a really weird, uh, really unusual day out. Uh, but Jeremy has kind of honed in on exactly why Mark wants to go out with them. And that's it. Basically he's a dirty dog and wants to cheat on Sophie. Yeah. He, um, he's just confused about why on earth he'd be organizing the day out to a safari park. But then he's like, well, is this because you're a dirty dog? And Mark just says, it's, no, it's, that's not why. And just says, but, but if in a hypothetical situation, you could have sex with Sally and, and uh, Sophie didn't find out, would you do it? And Mark hesitates and then says he won't answer it because it's a hypothetical question. I also like that he, Mark has to put a quantity on that question and ask <laughs> if uh, 
she wasn't a Glenn Close type or and happened to have a recent clean AIDS certificate too. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea that he, she has to have a clean AIDS certificate. That's so Mark. Yeah. Is that a <laughs> thing that people have over there? No. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Definitely not. <laughs> I, mean, I don't making... even know where you'd get one of those from. I mean, like, yeah, I suppose if you go for a an STD test at a clinic, you can get tested for AIDS as well, but it's not like a routine thing people do. Because I know in, in Cuba, the Cuban prostitutes will, will walk around with um, um, like a card that basically they have to get checked every like three months or something like, like, like that for STDs. Oh, really? And they carry no, a, like, like a card with them and they the their johns can demand to see the card before they have sex. Uh, okay, no, I, I think that's just Mark's fantasy world where he doesn't have to worry about AIDS. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, um, just as he'll do it anyway because it's like going to a strip joint with the Pope and he likes the idea of helping Mark do something underhanded. Yeah, this is we're right in Jez's wheelhouse with like dirty underhanded shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, next, we are at said car park, or excuse me, safari park. Have you ever been to one of these before? Because this is not a thing that exists in America. No, I've, ne- I've never been to one. Um, there's one in Woburn that's not too far from here. And I think there used to be one in Longleat, which is another kind of area in southern England. But I'm not sure they're there anymore, and I've certainly never been to one. Yeah. Uh, I And I just so that I don't get fact-checked and uh, people don't tell me I'm wrong, they are a thing that exists over here, but they are very small and very, very uncommon. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they're at a safari pub, and it's a really weird setup in the car. Sally and Foz are in the front, and Mark and Jez are in the back like they're their children. <laughs> um, Mark is trying to figure out what his ultimate plan is. He lured them there like a, Von, a Bond villain, but what's his aim to torture himself uh, with contact with an unattainable woman? It's so odd, like, why? how has he landed on a safari park as a day out? It's really strange. Yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and it's never explained. We don't know. But um, they're sitting in, Mark and Jez are sitting in the back of the car, and Jez starts flaunting his wad of cash that he's been paid this week by the Orgazoid, and they end up talking about Mark's wallet and how little money there is in Mark's wallet, and then Jez because he's being goaded by the bullies and Foz is being horrible, he ends up throwing Mark's wallet out the window. Yeah, I that really cracks me up when he grabs Mark's wallet and he opens it up and he just goes like, oh, let's see what's in your wallet. And he's like, oh, moss. But all I could think to myself is, yeah, of course he has moss in his wallet. He doesn't get paid $500 a week cash to give handjobs to old men. His yeah. money gets direct deposited into his bank account and he probably just uses his fucking checking card for everything you fucking yeah, like a normal monster person. um jez is really enjoying himself and he thinks he's getting big laughs out of humiliating his best mate which is you know pretty much sums jez up as his moral fiber is not all it could be have you ever had a friend have you ever had a similar situation happen to you yeah yeah i have on both sides um and i was talking to my husband about this when we were watching the episode because he was saying about how work quite often it's it's really easy to get into that situation where you're like ganging up on someone who's I don't know for some reason weaker than you and I know I've had it done to me and I know I do it and it's it's not something I'm proud of yeah 
I've probably seen situations happen like this. I've not really, I, I try not to partake, but yeah, it's, they're fucking dark. Like it's, it's, it's sad when your, your friend turns on you and yeah, it's yeah, all as a sake uh, so that they don't, you know, to fit in. I, yeah, I think it's quite common, especially if you are, if you've got someone like Jez who is a bit of a chameleon and is always trying to, um, make sure that he's like with the coolest kids in any situation yeah yeah uh crazy jeremy yeah and um, mark ends up getting out of the car to get his wallet which he not doesn't want to do he thinks jess should do it because jess threw the wallet but mark ends up getting out and there, there are no animals to be seen anyway but he's convinced that there's a lion hanging around behind a tree yeah and he thinks that he's about to get eaten I like when he asks you know if they should call the warder or something like, <laughs> like they should call the warder and um, Foz and Jeremy just kind of goad him out to get his wallet. Then, of course, as soon as he gets the wallet and he starts heading back to the car, Foz, the fucking dickhead, just does the classic, like, as Mark reaches for the door, you know, drive forward just a little bit. And then they just kind yeah. of peel off, leaving Mark in the middle of the lion enclosure. Yeah, um, and Mark thinks he's literally throwing me to the lions. What next? Crucifixion. Yeah, poor Mark. Poor old Mark. Poor, poor Mark. Um, next we are back at Apollo house and, um, you know, Mark is walking inside and he's just thinking to himself, you know, oh, still haven't heard anything from Sophie, you know, possible, possibly busy boning Jeff in Frankfurt, unlikely, but possible. I should at least try to feel jealous and betrayed. Then I'd feel less shitty about pursuing Sally. Yeah. Um, and as he comes in from work through the door, uh, he finds that Jez is at the kitchen table and he's sort of glower and he looks like he's in a really bad mood. Yeah. Nancy is also there and she's needing... Uh, Jeremy asks Mark if Nancy can use his computer to redo her CV. Um, yeah, I made a note here that this is like Sue's in the last series. She needed Mark's computer to do her CV as well. Do you think at this point there was only one computer in Croydon in about 2006? <laughs> uh, from what I know about Croydon, that is a distinct possibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, Sally rings Mark to apologise about the safari park and what happened. And she says that she wants to pop around to see him the next day. Yeah, and Mark says uh, he that he doesn't want to invite Sally to the flat because he can't really, um, you know, control who's going to be at the flat. And Sophie could find out if Sally comes to the flat, which sounds to me that Mark has, like, ill intentions for this meeting, regardless of what uh her intentions are yeah yeah so he asked jez if he can use the orgazoid's address and this is the point at which that jez says that he doesn't really want to go there or see him yeah yeah and uh and so mark finally just kind of badgers jeremy into giving him the address and then um and then he just gives the address to sally on the phone and says that they're going to meet there yeah um once that this has been established that, that he can use it for his own bad reasons, Mark then starts to get the information out of Jez about why he doesn't want to see go there and what's going on. And this is when Jez reveals that his job comes with additional duties. Yeah, additional duties that I was expected to perform. And Marcus just says, duties? What duties? And Jeremy goes, well, you know, I'm his handyman. It's just I didn't expect... It's just he did expect me to give him a hand. <laughs> and... Yeah, and Mark 
says, do you mean, and then does the universal wanker sign. Yeah. And it's really funny because Jeremy's just, you know, like, and I don't know what to do now because on one hand, it's a really good job. But on the other hand, I don't really want to go back to that place or have anything to do with them. No, um, he says that yesterday he said he was ill, so he got hands to cover for him. Um, but he's going to have to go back, he guesses, at some point. And Mark then sort of goes into a spiel about how, you know, work is, work's not always great for anyone no one no one likes going to work you don't have to be mad to work here but it helps and jess says yeah you don't have to be a crackhead to wank off old geezers either but that probably helps um at this point there's a knock on the door they get up and they see that it's hands yeah and i love this because super hands walks in and he the just the first thing he says is why didn't you tell me about the wanking off bit <laughs> yeah and then dancy appears and, and super hands explains that yeah, Jez has been wanking off a fella for cash, and Nancy just laughs and says, oh, that's so you, Jez. I always knew you'd end up doing something like that. Yeah, and Jeremy's <laughs> just like, what do you mean that's so me? That is not so me. <laughs> yeah. uh, one other one other little gem line from Superhands in this scene is um, when Jeremy says, you know, I didn't think to tell you, and Superhands just goes, well, you bloody should have, though, Jesus. And then Jeremy asks him, did you do it? And Superhand's like, fucking of course I did. Where do you think I got these trainers from? Yeah. <laughs> Superhand's is great here and unfortunately doesn't turn up again. But he's, um, there is a deleted scene that we'll talk about later. But he, um, it would have been, it would have been good to see more Superhand's, I think. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen Jeremy continually trying to pawn this job off on Superhand's throughout the episode. Yeah, I think that would have been quite good. Although the thing is, is that, Superhands is like Superhands has got even less morals than Jeremy. I think he would have just done the job full time. Oh sh shit, yeah, and I think he would have probably gone to more extreme lengths than Jeremy did. Exactly, he's a uh, he's a crackhead. It's a uh, it's a perfect job for him. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> so next scene, we are in Orgazoid's car with, um, and he's giving Jeremy a ride. I'm assuming back to Apollo House. Yeah, we don't know, but he's giving him a lift somewhere. Yeah, and Orgazoid just kind of starts talking to Jeremy, and he just is, you know, saying, oh, excuse me, Jeremy is thinking to himself, you know, only a few more hand jobs, and I can get that home studio that I've always wanted, and um, <laughs> Orgazoid starts saying, you know, I've had a chance when I was in Norway to think about it, and, you know... um. I've never paid for it before, and I don't want to start now, you know. Um, yeah, he says he wants you to, I want you to do it because you want to do it. Yeah. And Jez says, but he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gone. And then Jez has th thought of, he's clearly thought this through, and he says that he would, he could continue doing it if he can wear a mitten, or if he can put a flannel on it, but the Orgazoid is, is not prepared to listen to, to Jez's compromises. Right. He just is, it's funny because Orgazoid is like breaking up with Jeremy here, but Jeremy is just so desperate to get this home studio that he always wanted. Um, yeah. Um, it, he says that he needs, he thinks they shouldn't see each other for a while because he needs to get his head straight. Yeah. Jeremy tries to hug him and he tells the Orgazoid that he'll have sex with him, that he wants <laughs> to have sex with him. Um, and Orgazoid's like, no, no, get off me. Get off me. Yeah, and then Jess says that he'll, he says something like, give us a go on the old gear stick, I'll take it up to full, or something like that. And he's like, and the Orgazoid is just like, no, get out of my car, this is not what I want. Yep, and then uh, Jeremy thinks to himself, you know, I'm failing to find work as a prostitute, that doesn't feel good. 
Still got his house keys. If I keep working for him, he'll have to pay me, right? And <laughs> Yeah, such this, jazz lo- logic there. Yeah, I was going to say, I love this jazz logic here of, oh yeah, if I'm there, he's got to pay me. I wonder if I could just walk into some of my old jobs and just sit down and start <laughs> doing my old job. And when they're like, Sean, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, hey, you know, I'm here. Uh, You got to pay me. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I wonder how long it would take before someone would, would would have a word with you. Probably if you went in and were just brazen about it. Yeah, I think most jobs would probably just call the police on you shortly after you refused to leave. Yeah, it'd be hard to do as a teacher because it's really hard to get into a school if you've not got a pass. So <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to go through quite a few people before you could just start teaching some random kids. Yeah, my current job, pretty much as soon as you are out the door, your login and your access to all of the systems is removed. So it'd probably be hard there unless you were um, using somebody else's information to get logged into the computer. Yeah, but last school, they were... Um... My login stopped working like half an hour before I officially stopped working there. So I was doing some work and then I had to go to my head's department and be like, sorry, but I can't continue because I can't now get on the computer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My friend that works at my primary job, they apparently got their dates mixed on what her last day was. So they removed all of her access to all of our systems about four days before her actual last day. (laughs) And so That's she, quite funny. yeah, yeah. So she was talking to her supervisor and she's like, uh, well, what the hell should I do? So they called IT and IT was like, yeah, well, you know, what's done is done. So they ended up just <laughs> offering her a four day paid vacation. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty great. That's uh, that's, that's the situation you want really. Oh, I know. That's a best case scenario. You're like, oh, I gave you my two week notice, but I'll 11 days is fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and also, oh, we didn't mention this, but in the episode before where Mark is arranging for the tryst at the Orgazoid's house, Jeremy says that he has to come with them so that he can do the alarm system. Yes. Yeah. That's the reason that, um, he can't go on his own. Yeah. Um, so now we are at the Orgazoid's house. Um, Sally is really impressed by Mark's house and the fact that Jez is his butler. Um, I also really like this point where Sally is like, oh, I thought you said you lived in a flat. And Mark's just like, oh, this old thing, I call this a flat. <laughs> yeah, it's actually because I'm very modest. Um, Mark then says when Sally asks, is Jez your butler? Mark says that there's not really much else that he can do in the real world. <laughs> so he likes to help him out. <laughs> yeah, I've been very lucky and I like to spread that around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's sort of true, like, really. This, no, Mark I mean, does support Jez, so he kind of is not too far from the truth. No, you're you're right. This really is his MO. Like, Jeremy is worthless in the real world. Yeah. He is incapable um, of holding a real job. Yeah. Sally is looking around the house, and she's surprised by the amount of male erotic art there is on the walls. Yeah, and just like last... Uh, Jesus Christ, I'm getting my episodes confused here conference that was two episodes ago where we see tits for the first time this we actually see some photos of actual dicks in this time around um yeah um it made me laugh because it reminded me of when i worked uh when i was writing for the erotic magazine i used to work on it was in at the office was a hat like in an old house and the um like so there was a lot of art on the walls and it all looked normal at first glance but then it was always erotic art and it reminded me of that um and i like the idea that russell's just living in like basically a porn house yeah 
um, Mark starts to talk. Uh, Sally asks, you know, about the male erotic artwork all over the house. And Mark is just, you know, I've always appreciated the male uh, form. There's something beautiful about the male member. It's good to have a look at now and again. A reminder of what can happen if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, and he lets that just hang in the air. And I was thinking as I was watching it, what could possibly happen? What on earth is he talking about? But but Sally doesn't seem to pick up anyway. That's a very odd thing to say. Yeah, I like how Mark's next thought is, what am I saying? At least Jeremy's going. He doesn't need to be a witness to this fiasco. <laughs> yeah. Um, then Mark gives Sally his signed copy of The Hitchhiker's Guide and says that he got Douglas Adams to sign it when he came to the big WH Smiths. And she's thrilled with this, um, as you would be. That would be a lovely present. Um, yeah. and says that it's really romantic. Yeah, and she says this is a great way to start our affair. And yeah. Mark is and like... she goes from 0 to 60. So yeah, Mark hasn't... Even if he did anticipate this, even if he thought they were going to have sex, he clearly didn't anticipate it as quickly as it seems to be on the table. Yeah, and Mark just says, you know, our affair? Okay, that sounds good. What sort of affair are you thinking of? The Dreyfus affair or more like the Watergate affair? Because I can tell you right now, I'm not burgling burglaring any democrats and <laughs> sally just tells them to relax and then they kiss yeah um and she then takes her top off and mark is completely freaked out by this he's like oh i thought she was just like a suburban mouse but actually she's a sexually liberated woman <laughs> and he doesn't think he can go through with this and then he puts the brakes on it and says look you're miserable we've got a miserable marriage and the truth is i've also got a miserable relationship yeah i just don't feel i just feel that you know if it ain't broke don't fix it, and even if it is broke, just ignore it, and maybe it'll sort of be okay. Just like the environment, which, very Mark thinking, and that line really cracks me up, you know, just ignore it, and it'll be fine, because that is kind of the state of America's views on <laughs> global warming right now. Climate change, yeah, yeah. Um, then, just as Mark has put the brakes on this, Foz appears in the driveway, and... Um, Mark freaks out and Sally says, oh, he's always doing this. He's obsessed with the idea that I'm screwing around on him, which causes Mark to kind of raise his eyebrows. Yeah, I like how Jeremy's outside and he's like, oh, hey, Fa you hear him talking to Foz outside and um, Mark's just like, God damn it, you know, like distract him, distract him. And as Jeremy is kind of running interference on Foz, uh, Mark goes and he hides in a closet. Yeah, Um so he's hiding in the cupboard. He says he's not a good hider, but Sally insists. And she pretends to be cleaning. She, like, grabs a tissue and starts cleaning a mirror with it. Um, and Foz comes in and he's like, what are you doing here? Are you shagging microphones, mate? And she says that, no, she's cleaning. Um, and Foz sort of falls for it, I think. Yeah, I think everything is going fine in this scene right here. Um, and, yeah, Foz just sort of believes it. Unfortunately, Sophie picks the worst time ever to call and... Uh, Foz is able to hear Mark's cell phone ringing while he's hiding in the closet. Yeah, um, and he opens the Foz opens the door and sees Mark, and he draws the conclusion that he must be watching Sally and wanking over her. Well, because the fly of his pants was undone, because Sally had undone the fly of his right. pants, and his shirt was yeah. like sticking out of his fly. So, and he does ask Mark directly if he's wanking while staring at his wife, and Mark just is like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't hit Mark, but he pulls Sally off and walks out with her. Um, and Mark, in his voiceover, thinks that 
he's glad he's not been hit, but he kind of deserved to be hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he also thinks, you know, like, what the hell am I doing? I'm doing a Jeremy. This is a total wake-up call. <laughs> yeah. He realizes that he's, he's gone too far this time. He's sunk, sunk to Jeremy's level. Yeah. Jeremy does try to cheer up Mark at this point, and he says, you know, cheer up, Mark. At least now you've got a funny story to tell people. And Mark just, you know, looking totally defeated is, you know, says, yes, now I guess this is a pretty funny story. And Mark just thinks to himself, one that I'll never, ever tell anyone because of my deep and burning shame. And then <laughs> close episode. Boom. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I liked this as much as I remembered liking it. I was I was pleased to uh, I was I was I was looking forward to watching it and I was pleased at how good it was. I really enjoyed the one-off characters. I think they were really spot on. Yeah, we've had two really strong... Actually, I guess technically like four really strong back-to-back one-episode characters with Matt, Orgazoid, Sally, and Foz. So, yeah, we've had some really strong one-off characters this season. Yeah, Orgazoid is particularly good. um, And I really enjoy the idea that Jess gets into this like prostitute dynamic and he's completely naive to it, but that Mark, cynical old Mark, sees it immediately, that as soon as he hears about the job, he knows that something horrible is happening. Oh, yeah, and then the, you had mentioned the deleted scene. I actually think that I've watched this deleted scene before, uh, but go ahead yeah, and tell uh, us about it. It's a shame that this wasn't included, I think, because I think this would have been a... Not that the ending's bad, but this would have been a great ending. So the deleted alternative ending, Mark and Jez are returned to Orcazoids to get the first edition of the book that Mark's left there. And um, the Orgazoid says he doesn't want to talk to Jeremy and he closes, he's got like, the garages open and he closes the garage door and someone, someone we assume Foz, has spray painted Wankathon on the door and Mark sort of opens his mouth to explain. But before he can, um, Superhands comes around the corner and he's carrying like a bag of garden refuse and he's obviously working for the Orgazoid now. And he says to Jeremy... This wasn't very professional, Jeremy. You need to be more professional and goes into the house. And it was just a really good ending. And it must have only been cut out because there wasn't enough time. But it's a shame because it uses Superhands really well. And it's a really funny way to end the episode. Yeah, I think I've actually seen that. Um, were there more? Sorry, we'll talk about this later. Um, were there? No, no, there were no more deleted scenes for that episode, no. Or what about Series 4 in general? I couldn't see any, but I was searching specifically for Orgazoids. So um, I don't know. I'll have a look and see next week if there are any. Because I think that we tried looking for other season four, series four deleted scenes and have... Let's have a look right now on YouTube and see what comes up. I don't think I've ever... I'm trying to think back to like when I owned the DVDs and stuff. And I don't remember there being much other stuff on on the dvds series uh, eight series three series two series nine yeah it doesn't no. look oh peep show no. series four extras deleted scenes oh yeah okay no that's just the one that oh. is that one okay yeah so this is just the one deleted scene okay well yeah. that's good that we don't i haven't i now don't feel bad about not talking about deleted scenes anywhere no no i don't think there are any Others than that one. Um, But it's very funny, and it yeah, it can only have been a time situation that meant they cut it out because it's uh, Superhands is very strong in it. Yeah, Um, I really enjoyed this episode too. Um, This episode, when I thought about it, it held up just as well as I remembered it. 
Uh, yeah, it, um, yeah, it's it's good when that happens because so often I've thought I was about to really enjoy an episode and it's not quite been as good as I remembered. Yeah, um, I feel bad for Jeremy in parts. I also feel bad for Mark in parts, but then I realize that they're both fucking shitheads. And uh, yeah, I mean, the both storylines are really dark for both of them in this, but I think I like Peep Show more when it sort of wanders into a darker area. No, I agree. I just think it's weird that Mark is just so quick to have an affair on Sophie. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I suppose this is part of the... And I, I we've said about how much Sophie's personality changes um, this series, and she goes from being quite a different person to the person we knew in the first three. But I suppose Mark Mark's attitude towards Sophie changes so suddenly as well, because not, you know, even last series or the series, you know, the end of series two, there's no way he would have cheated on Sophie. She was the woman of his dreams. And now she's so far away from being the woman of his dreams that he's considering cheating on her with his old schoolmate. It's it's weird. It's weird how that dynamic has happened. The the only thing that I could think of is that he wants to be caught so that he can so that Sophie can call off the wedding. Yeah, that's what I think it is. And when he talks at the beginning of the episode about that he's got a legitimate grievance here, and then skipping forward a bit but next episode when he is at the they're at the therapist and he talks about how it's all going to come out like the whole murky thing i think he just thinks that he will do or say something that will make sophie reconsider the marriage and then he won't have to actually say oh i don't want to marry you yeah but it will be stopped yeah uh, i'm really excited to talk about that episode by the way the next two episodes yes. i'm really looking yeah forward the to. next two episodes i'm the particularly episode six is one of my absolute favorites um and features in my top 10 but the one with the uh the stag is also very funny yeah um let's see here um okay yeah so probably let me figure out where you rank this episode so you've spoken yeah. very favorably of this episode glowing glowing terms all around however I don't feel like this episode is in your top 15. So I'm going to say 17. How are you doing this? It is number 17. <laughs> That's ridiculous. How are you doing this? <laughs> you bang on. That's unbelievable. Yes, it is number 17. Yeah, I just felt like I just felt like this wasn't a top 15, but was like hovering right around there. So I thought I'd hedge yeah. my bets with 17. That's nuts. You're so good at this game. You're like three for three at this point. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have talent You've in a lot it. of things, but guessing your <laughs> peep show rankings is is something I'm apparently naturally good at. Uh, uh, so uh, what have we got for peep show culinary this week? Yeah, so thankfully Donnie actually woke up early this morning and... Uh, because I'd completely forgotten to tell him that we were recording stupidly early today... And just as happenstance, he messaged me at about six thirty, six o'clock my time, and was just like, "Hey, are you guys recording Handyman?" I said, "Actually, we're recording it in like two hours." And he was like, "Oh, okay." And then he disappeared for like thirty minutes, and then he came back and sent me our Peep Show Culinary this week. So, Donnie, thank you for you know being able to react to our weird time schedule. Uh, for recording this episode. Um, yeah, that's great. So the bulk of our meal this week will be Mark's low-quality takeaway. So that hole-in-the-wall place you once went to and never ate there again, that's where you'll find what you need. 
Also, get some sauerkraut that Sophie and Jeff almost certainly didn't fall in together in Frankfurt. (laughs) Mark's favourite cheese is a cheddar and red Leicester, and he was tormented in school by Foz putting bacon on his shoulders. So figure out a side that combines these flavours to your taste. I personally will be making bacon and two cheese biscuits in the correct sense of the word biscuit. And as he's an American, I'm guessing that he means some other (laughs) crazy way that I don't know of. It's not biscuit. Uh, A biscuit... You don't know what, like, our definition of a biscuit is? It's like a dumpling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That sounds horrible. A cheese and bacon dumpling sounds horrible. Sorry. Oh, God, no, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Do you guys have a red lobster in England? Mm, yes, yeah. I We haven't got many, but yeah, I have been in one. Okay, so you know the three cheese biscuits, the cheesy biscuits that they serve? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically what he's talking about. Just like a biscuit with some yeah, melted cheese on not top. Not nice. Yeah, I don't really... No, don't like that. <laughs> if you're going to have like a dumpling, you need gravy involved in it. They're too dry. <laughs> and uh, you've also... Don't you have some sort of weird white sauce with them as well? Oh, yeah, white gravy. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah, fuck all of that. No, nasty. Come on, the person who eats beans for breakfast thinks that biscuits and gravy <laughs> sounds fucking gross. Beans for breakfast is totally legitimate breakfast food. I don't know I don't know what the issue is with that. Oh my god, Laura, when you come to America, I'm gonna make sure and I'm gonna take you to uh I'm gonna take you and Phil to um Cracker Barrel and we're gonna have like a good, good, good southern breakfast with <laughs> Biscuits and gravy and bacon and sausage and Bacon, I understand. Bacon and sausage, understand those things. But white sauce on a dumpling for breakfast is not... That is not a normal breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most heated uh, peep show culinary has ever got. Yeah, we've had, yeah. (laughs) Um, What what was to drink on peep show culinary this week? Uh, Tea, beer, the Orgazoids Diet Coke, or his smoothie. Of course. And lastly, if your handyman or handywoman's going to be giving it a go on the old gear stick later or the old defroster button, treat them and yourself to <laughs> some Ben and Jerry's beforehand. I totally missed the defroster <laughs> button comment when I read this the first time. That's really, really goddamn funny. I um, I uh, sometimes the peep show culinaries aren't. There's not enough food in it to make anything particularly delicious. Sometimes there's almost too much food to make something disgusting. I think this is one of those times. Yeah, exactly, where it's just the right amount of food that it actually sounds yeah. like a real meal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Delicious. Uh, oh, man. So how excited are you to talk about holiday next week? Yes, very excited. Obviously, back in the summer, we um, discussed with each other a little bit about this episode, didn't we? Because we spoke to someone from the I about that episode. Um, so... I've already kind of like, I feel like I know how you feel about that episode a bit. Um, And I'm looking forward to talking about it with you because it's such an iconic episode. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say is that I feel like this is probably the most iconic episode of the entire series. Yeah, yeah, it's the one I think everyone thinks of when they think of Peep Show. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's so crazy to me that we're here, you know. That on, hold on, let me see what, let me get my dates here. That on November 4th or 5th, we're going to be talking about it. And then on November 8th, it's going to be released on the world. Like that is, it's insane to me that we're here. Like, I remember when we started this journey that this 
episode, even when, even when we got interviewed by, um, the eye, it just felt like that this episode was so fucking far away from anything yeah, we were going to be doing. Yeah, miles and miles away. Yeah. Well, we've been saying constantly since I started with you that, oh, wait till we have to start talking about Dobby, because you know how much I hate Dobby. And that's now only like three episodes away. Yep. Yep. And we are almost uh, to your favorite character. So yeah, that's going to be fun. Mm. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to talk about Dobby. Thank God she tapers off a little bit at the end, but she's in like three solid series and it's going to be tough for me to be nice about Dobby ever. Just be objective. Just, all, <laughs> that's all I want is just be objective. That's all you can do. I actually, I, cause I sort of, I, cause I, my episode ranking, I started trying to remember who was the prominent figure in each episode outside of Mark and Jeremy. And I was going to do some sort of graph and I, I know it's going to show that my least favorite episodes have got too much Dobby and my most favorite episodes have got no Dobby. <laughs> well, that's going to be <laughs> so, good. So yeah, that's... I'm working on my graph. Yeah, that's going to be good because now for the rest of the series, I'm just going to shoot low. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually just going to look at my top 10 and see if there are... No, the Dobby is in some of them. Yeah, Dobby is in some of my top 10. So it's not fair to say that everything that... I don't hate Dobby. I just find her irritating. No, I get it. She's she's completely different from um, Sophie. And yeah, I can definitely see how that might... You know, that she's irritating in, in some regards because she's that, like, crazy weird girl that makes yeah. Mark look somewhat normal because it pushes him out of his comfort zone. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to talking about her anyway because it's always good when you've got passionate views. I know, and I, loved, uh, I love Dobby and you hate her, so this is going to... This is uh be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, do you know what do you know what else this episode is? What? This is the halfway mark of the series. Oh, is it? This is the halfway point of Peep Show. Wow. Yep. Yeah, cuz we're at episode Oh, excuse me. No, I'm sorry. Five and a half is the fuck. Oh, okay. Here I got us all, all excited. Right. It's actually uh <laughs> whole series, series 5 right. episode 3 is the halfway mark of the series. Hello, Sadie. Sadie's come to say hello. Oh, hi, Sadie. You're right. <laughs> oh, I'm nearly finished now. Oh, let's see. You want to see me? Hello. Oh, all right. Well. All right. So we're <laughs> gonna have a, we're gonna have a special guest to sign off with. <laughs> Sadie, can you say goodbye? Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and that's as good as I could do it. All right. This is the El Dude Brother signing off. <laughs> 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 Bye. <laughs> I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,